Well, we've been in a sermon series entitled Living and Loving. And uh, thank you, brother. And I was uh, getting ready for today. I, all week long, I thought the Lord wanted us to have a different kind of message. And so as, as I was uh, just praying and studying and thinking about it, I felt like the Lord led me to do this, to make today another living and loving type message, but just an additional one to what we'd already planned. So today's message is entitled, Loving Through the Hurricanes of Life. <laughs> loving people through the hurricanes of life. We've said through our series that life moves at the speed of relationship, and that relationships have a huge, huge impact in our lives. We've been saying that if your life is pretty good, things feel good, you're, you know, things, you're, you're pretty happy and stuff's good, probably your, circum, your relationships are pretty good. But if you're struggling and you're down and you feel like your life is more of a challenge than a joy, then it's a good chance your relationships are struggling. Now, we've talked about men and women in marriage, some, but this is, this is broader than that. It's about all kinds of relationships. Now, speaking of relationships and, and man-woman stuff, there, there were some interesting things posted on uh, social media uh, during this hurricane experience. And somebody, I, I'm guessing it was a woman, okay? I, I think a woman posted this, and here's what she said. It makes sense that Hurricane Harvey was named after a man. Oh, it's worse. It's much worse. I'm just starting. He was slow getting here, couldn't decide what he wanted to do, came over for a little while, caused all kind of destruction, and refused to ask for directions. <laughs> now, maybe a man said this. So, gals, you know, I don't know if a man said this or not, but here, here's something else I saw. Women, don't you ever complain again about your man wanting a boat and a high-water truck. So, not that I think any of you women would complain, but I thought, thought it was funny. <laughs> so, today, we're going to talk about our relationships in the context of a storm. Our big theme statement there is we believe that living life on the good side of things is a result of loving God and loving people. And we defined relationships a few weeks ago that relationships are an exchange of love, that I am showing love as I have a relationship with you, as I take time to get to know you, as we spend time together, it's an action of love. And we talked at some extent about how the kind of love we can have through Christ, if we're in the family of God, is special. It endures forever. It's strong. It never gives up. It never quits. And so relationships are an exchange of love. And so here's our question today. How do you love somebody who's going through a hurricane? How do you love somebody who's going through a personal hurricane? You know, most people in our county didn't have tons of damage in their homes, but some did. We have flooded homes. We have them in my neighborhood. I had six feet of water in my backyard, and it was starting to come up the steps on my deck to the house and quit and got up this morning, and the whole lake was gone. It was amazing. But others in my community weren't so fortunate. And so there have been people who've had a devastating experience in this hurricane season. And how do we help them? How do we show them love? What's the loving thing to do and say or not do or not say? Well, what if they're asking this big question? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why would God let this hurricane do so much damage and kill people? Why? People, people are struggling because their own experience has been so intense 
But God, I believe, has a way for us to love them, a way for us to be a help to them. So this morning's message is going to be, on one hand, encouraging us to help others. How do we help others in the storm? How do we help others who are going through a terrible crisis? But I know some of you have had loss. Some of you probably have damage in your homes and lost wages and serious stuff. And so as we go through this, let, let this apply to yourself as well. If you're hurting and struggling, you're, yeah, it's me. I'm, I'm in a hurricane personally. Let, let this speak to you as well, okay? So what's the first thing we do? When somebody's experiencing a hurricane and we want to show them love, number one, just be present. Just be there. And the rest of it is even more important. Talk only if asked. Don't go to fix somebody's problems because the reality is you can't. And even if you can help them in their practical stuff, you can't fix their heart and their pain and their emotions. You, you can't do anything. And especially at the front end of a hurricane. But you do make a difference if you go and you just are there. Uh, yesterday, a couple of uh, friends of mine dropped by my house and said, hey, we want to see Lake Webbin. And we went on the deck and there's the lake and it was pretty crazy. And uh, it, it was just really good. Not one time did, did one of them say, oh, how, how are you, brother? Are, are you struggling with this? You know, what, what, you know, N nobody went there. We just hung out and joked about the water and 30 minutes later they left and I was just encouraged. They just came just to check on me and be with me, not to try to fix me or do anything else. That's, that's such a loving thing to do. So that's the most important thing to do, and that's the thing we're doing right now. We're being present. Whether we just go sit and cry with somebody, oh, your tears mean so much to others. Or we go help them in their house. We're just being there with them, trying to show love. Now, as things progress and people start to deal, as people start to, you know, sincerely want to process their experience, then we can help some more. But again, I, before I go on, I just want to say again, we don't push our preaching on people. I mean, I'm a pastor and I've made that mistake. I show up and feel like I've got to have all the answers. And God's taught, taught me now for years, just show up, period, and don't say anything unless I tell you to. And, and it's, it's just been a lot better for me and for those I'm trying to show love to. So as things go forward, how can we show more love, okay? And here, here's what we got. First off, encourage honesty. Encourage people, be honest with God about your feelings. He is lovingly honest with you. He shoots straight with us. And when we're honest, then God can help us. And so I, I tell folks who are struggling and in pain and hurting, I say, you know what? Go to the blood and guts parts of the Bible. Go to those Psalms where the psalmist says, God, what is going on? Why haven't you come through? Why haven't you shown love? There are psalms that are so honest and so real. And what's amazing is that God wanted them in his Bible. He wanted to encourage you and I to be honest with him about his feelings and to express our pain to him. And he's such a big God, he can take it. You can scream at him all day long and he'll still love you. And he has these things in the Bible to help us. The book of Job, oh my gosh, the man lost everything. He had friends show up, and they did good at first. They sat there and were quiet, but then they started preaching at him. And at the end, God spoke to Job, and it was, it was good stuff. But what a book of suffering. So encourage people to be honest with God. Now, we're going to look at some verses from a psalm that's qualifies as one of these tough psalms where somebody's being honest. So we're going to just pick and choose a few verses as we look at Psalm 73 this morning. Truly God is good to Israel, 
to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. He's saying, I almost quit on God. I almost walked away. And here's why. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. I saw people who didn't care about doing the right thing, didn't care about God, and they seemed to be doing great. And, and many of us who are trying to live right and live for God and, and, and do the right thing, we're, we're not. So this is kind of the flip side of why do bad things happen to good people. He's saying, why do good things happen to bad people? Being honest. Sharing his heart with God. Now, the verses immediately following go through a progression. First off, he, he basically comes to a conclusion, I should have just given up. You know, I should have just said, forget it. You know, look what this has got me. But then eventually, this really honest man says, you know, I, I went to the temple. We could say I went to church or I prayed. I connected with God. And when I did that, I realized God hasn't forgotten me. And as far as other people, God's going to take care of them and, and do whatever's needed. So he, 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 he processes this stuff. And then it's so interesting. After he got honest with God and vented his feelings, then he began to see the condition of his own heart. He began to see inside of here. So we're going to skip down to verse 21. Look at this. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. This is to God. God, I must have seemed like a dumb dog or a stubborn mule to you. And he's seeing the, just the place of his heart. And when folks are struggling, encourage them to just be free. Encourage freedom just to be open and honest, and it's all okay. And here's something real, really important. Guys, it's okay to not be okay. Instead of wanting to make people's emotions change, the loving thing is just to be patient and, and let them be there. Let them be depressed a while, if that's what it takes. My wife and I were uh, out of town during the storm, and uh, we, we would ask each other periodically, how are you doing, how are you doing? And one day I said, you know, I'm not okay, but that's okay. You know, I'm concerned for the county and people. We've had a personal loss during this crisis, and uh, I'm not okay, but that's okay because I know God's he's with me. It's going to be all right. Now, look what he says next. The very next verse, the psalmist says, Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. So all because he was willing to scream and holler at God and be honest and process and then see his own heart, now he's getting it. I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. So here we can encourage people, have faith, keep trusting God. He hasn't forgot your name. I love the phrase, the wind and waves still know his name. Well, he knows your name. And he hasn't forgotten you. He is right there. So encourage them to have faith. No matter what we experience in life, God is still our best friend. And obviously horrible things happen to people. Way more horrible than losing a home or something. And the question of why God is, is totally legitimate. But the answer is, you may not get a clear answer on the why, but the reality is he's still with you. He is still your best friend. So now, the last couple of verses from this psalm, 25 and 26. Here's how he concludes. Whom have I in heaven but you? Where else am I going to turn? He's saying, you know, there, there's no other God but you. Who else do I have but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. Now his heart's really been turned. My health may fail. 
My spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Man, this guy processes with God and comes out at the right place. And when people are struggling, and, but they're starting to get there, I, we can encourage them to depend on God. Encourage dependence. Encourage folks, you know what? After you've cried and screamed and hollered, it's all okay, and you're overwhelmed, it's all okay. Just, just try to depend on God. Just trust He hasn't forgot you. Depend on Him. I love this psalmist. My health may fail, my spirit grow weak, but He can still be the strength of my heart. So number one was be present, talk if needed. Number two is be the community they need. That's not exactly great grammar, but I wanted to put it that way because we are a community corporately, but you are a community, a part of it individually, and you have a part. And the early church really lived like this. Look at these verses from Acts chapter 2. This is after Jesus went back to heaven to be with the Father, and the disciples have preached, and thousands have now come into the kingdom of God. The church has started. Look what happens at the end of Acts chapter 2. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. My favorite part of that is the very last word, generosity. The early church got it. Somebody had a need, they were there. Just like all over our county, all kind of stuff is happening all up and down the Texas coast. People are doing so many things to help and give her their time. And I'm just so proud of you guys and and the church in general and what's been happening. And it's just amazing. Well, it's like what they started as the church thousands of years ago. They lived together and the community function of somebody was poor and hungry and starving, somebody else would help them. Somebody had a big need. Somebody said, you know, I don't need this extra house. I'll sell it and give it to the church. They they were looking out for each other. So here in community, the idea is just do what you can. You know, I I love you skills, guys. You know, if I, I feel like if I gave you a hammer and a stick, you could build a house. You know, some of you guys are amazingly skilled. Not me. You know, I, I sometimes can hit the nail. You know, that, that, that's about the length of my skills, you know. But you skilled guys are super. Y'all can go and do just amazing things. But you know what? Everybody else is super too if you do your part. I heard a story about a woman who had a, a dear friend suffer grief and loss in their family. And so this woman knew that she could show some love. And so here's what she did. She grabbed her, her bucket and her mop and some cleaning supplies She walked into her friend's house and walked up to her and said, hey, I'm here. Do you want me to clean the kitchen or clean the toilets? See, just doing what she can, just there to help. And so be community. When there's needs, try to meet them. Yesterday, I had a struggle with this message. It took me about all day because my phone kept beeping. I was part of a thread of guys over in Van Black. We kind of got some things started, and then these guys ran with it. And I was part of a thread of, go to Bob's house. He's got a tree falling. Okay, I'll be there. We need a salt. I mean, just text after text after text. And I felt like I was a cheerleader, like, go, 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 guys, go. You know, I'm trying to type, oh, another one. You know, it was just amazing to see what people were doing yesterday in our community. Number three, be present, be community, and be positive. And, and I mean this very carefully. I don't mean shallow hype. Oh, everything's great. God's in control. No, no, no. More like, you know, good is coming. It, it is going to be okay. 
There's a time to encourage people with that. I think it's down the road in their hurricane crisis. But there's a time to do that. And I'm not big on quoting verses at anybody anytime. All right, but I have this verse for us that to encourage us to encourage others, okay? So here's the verse that many of you will recognize, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We know this is true. As bad as things have been, as terrible as it's been for folks, the things people have experienced, God can use it for good. And we can encourage people, you know what? I understand you can't see it now, but, you know, there's something good going to come out of this. Because that's God's promise. I want to share a story with you. And uh, before I even start, I'm going to say, please be patient with me. I probably won't do well because it's personal and it's painful. But, but I want to share you a story just to kind of bring this all to a focus of what we're talking about. Uh, I have a friend named Dave, and years ago, Dave came to my church, and he was struggling in his life and dealing with issues, and uh, God began to do stuff. God began to work into his life and begin to get him on the right track. And let me pause and say, I've talked to Dave, and I have his permission to share all the story, okay? I, I, it's sensitive, it's personal, but he said, oh yeah, Ed, if you think it might help, please share that in your message. So Dave is getting serious about God in our church years ago, and he comes to me and says, Ed, uh, you know, I, I'm, I want to go all in with God. What do I do? And I said, well, you know the basics, bro. Start to read your Bible and you know, get, get more active, and, and God will start to help you grow. He goes, well, how do I study the Bible? And I said, well, here, let me get with you, and we'll look at some stuff. He says, well, can we just meet? And we met, and we met, 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 met for months and months and months and months. And I saw this man just grow like the biggest weeds in my backyard, fast and tall and strong, and my weeds were underwater. Now the water's gone. They're still alive, of all the things, you know, didn't even kill the weeds. Well, that's how Dave is. He just grew, and he was so strong, and it was just such an encouragement to see what God had done in this man's life. Well, then along came a woman named Kelly, and she was just wonderful. And God put these guys together, and it was just a sweet, sweet thing. And then it came to a, uh, a culmination one day. Our church used to do a, a free crawfish boil. We'd put a big tent out in the parking lot. We'd put up a stage and have a live band with music all day. And we would cook crawfish by the hundreds and hundreds of pounds. We'd serve, one year we had close to 500 people just wanting to serve the community a meal. Well, Dave was the kind of guy, he was in charge of cooking the crawfish one year. And this particular year, he is over there. He's got the apron on. He's got these huge pots going. He's got a team, and he's directing traffic. And after the hours it took us to serve the community, then all of us, it was pretty much the whole church to pull this thing off, all of us sat down to have our crawfish. And after we ate a little while, one of the highlights of my career is that I got to jump up on the stage. And I said, hey, guys, we got something special. Dave and Kelly, come on up here. And we married them on the stage, under the tent, with everybody smelling like crawfish. And it was beautiful because they were saying, this is who we are. We want to live for God like the uh, Old Testament scripture. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And there they were in front of me. And it was just beautiful. Well, after a while, 
uh, because of some family connections and stuff, they really needed to, to be involved in another church, and, and they left our church. I was sad to see them go, but I got it, and we blessed them in their leaving. But Dave and I had become so close, we, we still stayed in contact. And uh, we texted off and on. We got together for lunch uh, once or twice. I'm, I'm trying to remember back over the years it's been. So I, I could, up to a week ago, I could still say, you know, Dave and I are friends. I could call him. He could call me. It's all good. So a week ago Friday, I got a call from someone saying, Ed, I, I, I heard something, and I want to ask you if you can confirm it. He said, I heard that uh, Kelly Winters is dead. And I said, oh, I don't know. Let me call the pastor over there. So I called Dave's pastor and said, Mike, th- this is what we've heard. And he said, yeah, Ed, that's true. And, and here's what happened. Dave's at work on Friday battening down the hatches at, at his uh, place of employment, eager to come home and get his house ready for the hurricane. And he comes in and drops some things and does a couple things in the house and finally says, well, where, where's Kelly? And he walks around the uh, couch in his living room and she's laying dead on the floor. A woman in her 40s, no critical health issues and just gone. So now Dave has to go through the ordeal of dealing with the situation. Of course, he calls 911, and all those folks come, and he has to spend hours and hours all day long dealing with it. And then when that dust settles, he's got to get his house ready because Hurricane Harvey's coming, so he has to work on all that. So then comes where he needs to evacuate like many of us did. And so when he leaves town, he has to leave Kelly's body here in Bay City. So David goes away for a few days and comes back as we all started coming back after the hurricane. And when he came home, he had to start to deal with the situation all over again because of Hurricane Harvey and all the uh, huge problems in Houston and those hospitals. They still had not performed an autopsy on Kelly. And today, there still hasn't been a determination. Hopefully, that'll come next week. So he comes home to that, has to deal with it. And so one of the things he was dealing with at his house, like we all did, was dealing with the trash. Uh, Some neighbors and I got together, and we loaded up our trash and came into town and brought it to a a city dumping spot. And so a lot of folks were there from around the town. And so uh, after we dumped our trash, I saw another pickup truck that I recognized drive up, and out steps Dave, my friend who's living such a nightmare. And so I tell my neighbors that I had rode with, say, hey, guys, I'm going to ride with my friend over here. I need to hang out with him a little while. So I ran up, and uh, Dave and I just had a big, long hug right there in the middle of the road. It was just tough. And so then I helped him get his trash thrown away and asked what he was doing, and he didn't have a lot of plans for the rest of the day, and so I suggested maybe we hang out a little bit, and he said, sure. So we drove to my house and went inside, and my wife Lori was there, and uh, she loves Dave and and loved Kelly, and so we all just sat there at our uh, dining room table for a while, and we did what I've been talking about today. We, We, Lori and I, tried not to say all these things that would not be helpful We tried to just be with him. We cried. We laughed. We 
reminisced about the wedding at the crawfish boil and how cool that was. And after a while, Dave said, you know, I, I need to go. We said, okay, brother, we love you. We'll be praying for you. And he left. And Lori and I looked at each other and talked about how helpless you feel when somebody's in that, but how you also feel like just showing some love, just being present can make a difference. So I want to share that personal story with you today just to encourage you. There's people dealing with hurricanes of life all year long, whether it's a real hurricane or whether it's just a personal hurricane, a devastation like my friend Dave is experiencing. But there are people all around, and God wants to use us to encourage them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that uh, no matter what happens, you're still our best friend. Lord, we don't understand why things happen. We, we get frustrated and angry and confused and disappointed. But I thank you that you're still our best friend. Lord, I pray for my friend Dave <coughs> that you'd just continue to give him grace. Thank you that his church is doing a good job this week, Lord. Strengthen and encourage all of us and use us to just love other people in the hurricanes of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.